Welcome to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. We want to encourage, equip, and connect those with a passion to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Student ministry can be a lonely place. You might even feel like you're the only one in your church or community that cares about students. Well, know this, you're not alone. People all across the country are engaging Gen Z and care deeply about the spiritual direction of these young men and women. Whether you're full-time, part-time, bivocational, or volunteer, if you have a heart for students, this is the place for you. Welcome back to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. I'm Dan Carson, and I'm thrilled that you've chosen to download and listen as we continue the conversation about student ministry. Now, on today's podcast, we're going to talk about encouraging our students to share their faith with Chris Selby, and I'll be introducing him in just a moment. But before I do that, I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for sharing and just helping spread the word about our podcast. Over the last several weeks, we've experienced a large growth, and man, it is exciting to see what God is doing with our little podcast. Another place that God is doing big things is at Central Baptist College of Conway. CBC is our podcast partner, and we are so excited for that partnership. CBC is challenging, engaging, and inspiring. And if your student is looking for a place for them to study a wide range of topics and to take that next step in their educational journey, CBC may be the place for them. They're going to learn about Jesus. They're going to spend time with professors and instructors that truly care about them. Let me encourage you to have your students reach out to cbc.edu. They could set up a visit. They can get involved in one of their stampede days, which is an opportunity to learn about Central Baptist College and the Mighty Mustangs. Or they can just simply call and set up a virtual visit. It is a fantastic place, and we'd love to see your students get involved there. Now, there is another side. Perhaps you're looking to finish a degree. They have what's called their PACE program. It's an opportunity for you to learn and for you to finish up a bachelor's degree through their program. So again, check them out at cbc.edu. Well, on today's podcast, we're sharing an interview that we had with Chris Selby. Chris is married to Susan and has three boys and a daughter-in-law. Their oldest son, Blake, just recently married Taylor. Their middle son, Andrew, is a freshman at John Brown University in Salem Springs, Arkansas. And their youngest, Zane, is in the eighth grade at Lifeway Christian School in Centerton, Arkansas. Chris began Multiply Ministries seven years ago and serves as an evangelist and missionary to ministry leaders. He loves equipping and encouraging ministry leaders to equip their people to live on mission for Jesus. He coaches around 30 youth leaders yearly and has spoken all over the country. We're excited that Chris was able to take a few minutes and join us, and we're happy to share this interview. Now, the recording quality wasn't quite up to the standards that we have, but I didn't want us to miss out on the content. So let's listen together. Welcome to the podcast, Chris. Hey, glad to be here, Dan. Thanks for the invite. Well, Chris, I'm thrilled that you're here. I know that we live in the same part of the world. In fact, many years we were a part of the same church camp. And so it's just a pleasure for us to connect in this way. Yeah, man, it's been, it's uh, excited. I'm excited to be on here. Love what you're doing, man. Love what you're doing with this podcast. Well, Chris, one of the things that we like to do is to get to know our 
our guests a little bit better, especially for our listeners. We now have listeners all over the country and a lot of different places around the world. It's pretty exciting. But they don't know you like I do. And so <laughs> tell us how you came to know Jesus. Yeah, I'd love to, man. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I, I tell people I had a drug problem going up. I was drugged to church Sunday morning, <laughs> Sunday night, and Wednesday nights uh, by my parents. But for some strange reason, um, I just didn't connect with Christ. Uh, had many opportunities to. I just uh, didn't growing up. And then at the age of 23, man, which is pretty cool because I what I didn't know then, what I do know now is that my church growing up, Maysville Missionary Baptist Church and my parents uh, were praying for me all those years. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, God just got a hold of me at age 23. I remember a Bible that my parents gave me when I was 16. And I went down to my, down, I lived in Bella Vista, Arkansas at the time, went downstairs. You know, I, got, I had this junk closet. Like, I don't know if everybody's got a, everybody's got at least a junk drawer, right? I had a yeah. junk closet. So I'm pulling boxes out and looking for this Bible and I find it. And man, I just turned to John three sixteen, and man, I started weeping and, uh, man, just cried out to Jesus said, you know, I'd done some horrible things and, um, man, just begged him to forgive me and told him I wanted that eternal life. And, and he radically changed me that day. I remember this showing my age a little bit, but I remember getting on the computer. We had just gotten internet and it was dial up. Right. And it was AOL. Yeah. And, you know, so, bah, bah, bah. <laughs> so I got yeah. on there and started telling people, I found Jesus, I found Jesus. And they were like, you're crazy, man. But anyway, so that really started my journey of, uh, man, just falling in love with him and learning about him. And he, yeah, he just, he changed my life that day. And so that's 23, I'm 50 now. So I've been born again now for those 27 years, man, just loving life. Well, 23 is is still a young young man, but at the same yeah. time, it's a little older than than a lot of a lot of the people that I've I've talked with. Yep. Uh, so you know we're working and trying to help those that are working with teenagers. Yes. A lot of those guys are volunteers and different people. Yeah. So, uh, who invested in you during those teenage years? Maybe it was a coach. Maybe it was somebody at church. What? Who was it? Yeah, no. So my mom and dad um, were poured into me. They were so. I mean, my dad, he was the the song leader at church. My mom played the piano. And there was a guy, uh, Stephen Rosetta Selby's my parents, by the way. And there was a guy, our Sunday school teacher, called Jack Netherton. And man, he poured into us. Um, I was best friends with his uh, his son, and just between those three, I would say. Um, and then there were some pastors, uh, Tommy Haley is one that was very influential in my life. Tom Netherton. I mean, then going to camp, um, every year. So, you know, Dan Fagla, uh, was influential, uh, Russell Jones, you know, some of those guys that didn't even realize it probably had a lot of influence in my life. And I told them later on, you know, Dan and Russell and those guys, but, Growing up, I would say definitely all those people had an influence in my life. Well, and the consistency of just those people being there, yep. being there for you and being some of those get names that you mentioned are the people that were there for me as well. And so it's yeah. just cool to, to see those lines intersect. Right. Well, yeah. before you began multiplying ministries, you, you served in the local church as a youth pastor. So a question I often ask our guests is why student ministry? Oh man, I tell you, that's a great question. Um, so when I started, I volunteered at anything, right? I, I remember Jack Nethers being one of those guys that asked me, Hey, 
Vacation Bible School is coming up and we have a slot for fourth and fifth graders. Can you do that? And at the time I was like, there's no way I can do that. And he said, <laughs> well, I'll make, you, I'll make you a deal. This was Sunday, Sunday morning, right before Sunday school. So I'll make you a deal. If no one signs up by the end of tonight, Sunday night, would you do it? And I'm like, I guess, man, <laughs> you know, and that vacation Bible school started that next Monday. I said, I guess I will, you know, and I did it. And I, even though there were fourth and fifth graders, man, I just loved it. Like I loved every bit of it. And so after that, I tried children's church. I just didn't, that didn't work for me. And then I started volunteering in the, in with the youth group and, and man, it just was like, this is where I'm supposed to be. I love this. And then the Lord kind of convicts me and showed me that he wanted me to help students not go through what I did and to help them actually grow, uh, you know, not have to go through what I did and get saved at an earlier life and be discipled at an earlier life. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of why youth marriage, man, I just fell in love with students and um, could relate to them and wanted to help them. I could understand what they were going through a lot of times because, because of my own default, right? I went through a lot of those things myself. Right, I wanted to right. help gear them the right way. So they didn't have to wait till they was 23 to start, you know, be saved or be start living for the Lord. So that's why youth ministry, man. Well, what I love in that story is that those that were helping you along the way were giving you opportunity to try out some different things. Yep. And I, yep. I don't, I don't think we do that enough with our students. Mm. We, we need to give them those opportunities. Yeah, for sure, man. I think, you know, I say all the time that students aren't just the church of tomorrow. They're the church of today. Yeah. Um, and if they can learn algebra and they can, run state track meets and being banned and in the things that, man, they can learn, memorize scripture. They can learn how to share their faith. They can live on mission for Jesus. We don't have to wait till they're in college or beyond to do that. So I agree. Well, Chris, I know that over the years, I've always kind of connected you with dare to share. It's an important part. I think yeah. of, of who you are and what you do. You know, I think about that area of evangelism and sharing your faith. So why is evangelism so important to you? Man, evangelism is so important to me, I think, because I remember the first time I did a devotional uh, on a Wednesday night at Maysville, maybe a year, maybe not even that long after that vacation Bible school, they asked me to do a devotional and it scared me to death. But I did devotional and not because of me, just because I have the gift of evangelism. All these students came forward and uh, I didn't know what to do, to be honest with you. I asked, I mean, Raymond Scott was a pastor. My dad was still a deacon. I, I said, can you guys come help? Because I don't know what's going on right now. You know, all these kids came forward wanting to be saved. And I honestly didn't know how to do that. I told them my story and told them how Jesus changed my life, but I could not take them through scriptures. But, you know, the pastor and, and everybody else helped through that. And for, from that time on, I started begging God to show me how to share my faith. And so, man, that started me on this path of, you know, first I found Ray Comfort. You know, the whole, if you die today, where would you go? Then Greg Steer and different people in my life. So, man, I've just found it very important for me to be able to share my faith relationally well, clearly. And so that, in turn, went to equipping my students how to share their faith. Because I believe there's a lot of people who've never really heard the gospel. The whole gospel, I think there's a lot of people who've heard maybe, hey, Jesus loves you or Jesus died for you, which is awesome. But can't actually vocalize the clear gospel in a regular conversation with their friends and family members. Chris, that is 
is kind of at the heart of it. We live in what many would consider the Bible Belt, but right. there are so many people around us that have never heard the gospel. They don't know really who Jesus is other than maybe somebody that gets celebrated at Easter and Christmas, <laughs> but yeah. that's it. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. So, yeah. So, man, my passion is to change that, you know, nationally, the numbers say five to 10% of all teenagers are affiliated with the church. And so you're talking about 90% at least of any school that's not. And so what better way I call students that go to a public school, federally funded missionaries, man. So the government's doing something right. Right. And so, man, I, my passion to is equip them and send them uh, to those schools to share with their friends. Because as you know, man, like, Depending on the stats, whoever you want to look at, 77 to 85% of people make a profession of faith before, profession of faith before the age of 18. Yeah. So, yeah. man, we got, we, got, we got to get them young. <laughs> we do. I mean, it is vital for us to, to do that. So do you have any other reasons why you would think that this subject of evangelism is so important as we deal and work with students? Yeah, I mean, students, man, are are hurting so bad today. Um, I mean, I saw an article that said that the typical teenager today deals with as much stress as an adult did in the 50s and 60s. Wow. And so for me, I think, and it's good to have things in place to help them with that, you know, counselors and things like that. But man, at the end of the day, the only thing that's going to really help them is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so they need help now. You know, they they need hope now. And, and we know that the only hope is Jesus. And so if they can hear that, then that's going to radically change their lives, obviously, forever. So that's they go through a lot, man. Suicide is up. Uh, attempts is up. Depression is up. Everything is up. And so these students desperately need Jesus. Let's get to the heart of the matter. You know, what are some things that we can do to encourage our students to be more evangelistic? Yeah, man, that's such a good question. I get that question so much. Um, And and the crazy thing is the answer, I think, is a pretty simple one. (laughs) I think it starts with us and intercessory prayer, to be honest with you. Okay. Man, I remember, golly, 12 years ago, maybe now, maybe longer than that, Greg Steer, my good friend and, and mentor now, but I didn't know him then, looked up to him. He asked me a question because I told him I had apathetic students and hard time getting them to share their faith, but even be interested in anything that related to Jesus, you know? And he asked me a simple question. He said, well, do you think, do you believe in the power of prayer? And I didn't look like, you know, I didn't want to look like a moron. You know, <laughs> I, was like, I was like, of course, I believe in the power of prayer. It's the most powerful, you know, one of the most powerful things we have. It's so important. It's vital. And he said, well, when you meet on Wednesdays, do you spend more time in announcements or in prayer? Mm. And I was like, oh, man, that hurts. And he said, good. <laughs> if you know Greg, that's kind of his attitude. Good. And But then he started talking to him about what about your personal prayer life? Like, are you praying for your kids? And and I'm like, man. And so I really wrestled with that, man, for a little while. And what I came to find out was what the Lord led me to do is start praying for every one of my kids by name every day and really crying out on their behalf, asking God to break their heart for their lost friends, but also to give them a hunger and a thirst for, you know, for the Lord and to help them see life different um, and help me to see them different. And 
man, over about a month period, after about a month, it start, I started seeing kids different. I started seeing it take effect. And so, man, for me, just praying for them on a daily basis, begging God to, you know, interrupt their lives, really started changing the way every, our culture and our ministry at that time. And so I talk about all the time, inspiring students to share their faith or inspiring students to be about the things of the Lord Jesus. And for me, man, that first step is prayer. Like, honestly, not just for me, but then like getting the church to pray for them. You know, studies have shown that every student needs at least three pastor type mentors in their life to, you know, not just one anymore, but up to three for their faith to become real for them and to stick after Mm -hmm. they graduate high school. And so one really cool thing, I think just not the youth pastor inspired them, but then getting the church body to actually start praying for the youth in the church, I think is just an amazing way to do it too. So if you can get, if you're praying for them, if you can get another adult volunteer praying for them, then someone in their church praying for them, that's at least three. And hopefully if their parents are praying for them, you know, that's four or five people that can really start praying uh, for these students to become Really, man, to see the world through Jesus' eyes and for their heart to be broken for their loss, the lostness around them. Let me ask, uh, you, you brought up a question that Greg had for you. It said, how much time are you spending in your youth group service praying? So yep. uh, what do you recommend for that? Let's, you know, very practical yeah. answer to that is what we're looking yeah, for. Yeah, man. So one thing we did, we taught them the acronym Acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. And so we were literally, I did a lesson on prayer, like a, a like a month series. We would put acts up on the board and we would have them actually take, a, a, we bought those uh, 50 cent composition notebooks. Yeah. And we would literally, we had, we called those our prayer journals. And so we'd have students take those and literally write out from the board, what can you adore about God? Mm. Um you know, we made sure and we taught them that we, we told them, let's, these are things not that God's done for you, but what can you adore about him, about his holiness, his, his love, his justice, um, that he's all knowing, you know, that he's all seeing all those things. And then really go through C. We told them not to put their names on the, on the, on the book. This is all anonymous. And so they would confess sins on there, uh, you know, be real with them. And then the T was Thanksgiving things that God's done for you. And the supplication is, is just request, you know? And so what we would do is we'd have them have write those out on that notebook. We'd take about 15 minutes to do it. They'd put the notebook back. And so I and the other adult volunteers actually go through those to actually see what our students are really going through. Mm. And so you're teaching them how to pray, but then you're seeing where they're at. Um, and then the next week or maybe every other week, we'd have them take a journal and pray over who did it last week and then do your own. So that way people would actually open up, but you're teaching them how to pray. And we would encourage them, pray this like this at home, pray like this every day. All you have to do is get a journal. You've got notebooks and just start praying every single day in those. And so that way it became a habit. So we would do that in our ministry a lot, man, just to make prayer a priority. And then like we would do that one week and the next week we may get them, break them up in groups and pray for their lost friends. And so we would, we, we had a giant called a cause circle in our, in our room. And, and, and we would have them pray for their lost friends and write those initials down on the board. And one week we would all get together. Like say, if we had 
girls that were on the same volleyball team. Hey, get with your volleyball team if it's two or three and pray for every girl on your volleyball team. Mm, pray yeah. for people in your on your drama team or whatever. And so we would break it up in different ways like that to keep prayer fresh, but we'd always use the same, you know, acts uh, so that way they could memorize something. Because one thing I learned in education, people know this is called Bloom's Texon- Taxonomy of Cognitive Levels. And the way we learn, whether in seminary or preschool, is you have to memorize something first. And so we had to memorize that acronym, and then you have to understand it, then you have to apply it. And so doing those three things over and over and over helped them actually learn how to pray. <coughs> Not just when you meet, but then outside of the service itself. So if you begin with prayer... Yep, personal prayer, have others praying for your students, and then you incorporate prayer into your youth group time um, yep. where their, their hearts are breaking from all yep. different angles. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah. that's what is happening. Yeah. And yeah. so they, they see this great need. So what's next, yep. though? And we can't just stop there with a broken heart. No. Right, right, right. So we, we always talked about care. So prayer, care, and share, right? And so how can you love on these so let, let's say if uh, you've got a, a three to five people in your cause circle, right? You're praying for these lost friends or family members, then, then you care for them. How can you care for them? Uh, can you sit by with them at lunch? Can you, you know, get them a, buy them a sonic drink and bring it to them? Just be there, you know, text them once a week, say, hey, how can I pray for you today? You know, you're on my mind today. How's everything going? Just to show the love of Christ and, and, and be creative with it. You know, we would keep track of, Hey, have you cared for somebody in your cause circle this week? And then maybe even find a list of their favorite candy and buying that candy once a week, whatever you can do to show them that you care. Because if you show them you care, then when they want to talk about stuff, then they're going to come to you most likely. And then the last part was share, right? Uh, To share the gospel. And so we worked really hard on training and equipping our kids on how to go from a secular conversation to a spiritual conversation. Mm, okay. So one of those ways is, is asked by asking great questions. So if you're on a school bus ride to a football game or in the band, right. And you've been praying for this person, you've been caring for this person. And you know, we've all felt as believers, man, you feel this conviction from the Holy spirit to talk about Jesus. Then as you're talking in a regular conversation, you say, Hey, I was wondering, you know, do you have any spiritual beliefs? Or what do you think about God? Or what do you think about church? What do you think about religion even? And so ask great questions. Uh, you know, Jesus was the master at that, obviously. The woman at the well, great questions usually lead to great conversations, right? Like, do you have a drink? Can I have a drink of water? Is what Jesus asked the woman at the well, right? Yeah. And so just ask those great questions. And and that, it, listen, we tell, we t- I tell people all the time, if you, you ask that question and they say, I don't want to talk about it. Then the conversation ends right there, but you haven't lost a friend. You haven't got punched in the face. It's very open. You know, no one's going to be offended. And so it stops there. But if they say, well, I believe in this or I, whatever question you use, like if they say, Hey, I'm a Mormon or a Buddhist or a Wiccan or an atheist. The next question is, would you, I would love to hear about that. Would you share that with me? I don't know what, you know, don't assume you know what they believe by a book you've read or some training you've gone through. Actually ask them. And if they share that with you, I've never once been turned down to ask. Because what happens is if you ask them 
and you, I, we tell kids to admire them, right? Put down your cell phone, look them in the eye and listen well to whatever they believe in. It doesn't matter. Um, and try to find something to admire about their faith system. So even, you know, if it's Mormons, um, Jehovah witness, man, I always tell them, man, I, I admire your, man, you, you are so serious about your faith and you go to church six days a week, man, I admire your faithfulness to your faith system. And then when they're done, you ask permission to share. Thank you for sharing that with me. That's amazing. Can I share with you what my spiritual beliefs are or what I think about God or what I think about religion? Whatever the question you ask them, you follow up with, can I share with you? Mm, that's good. Never been turned down. Never been turned down by that. Atheist, agnostic, it doesn't matter because they've shared part of their soul with yeah. you, you know? Yeah. Um, and then you, and then so we do that. And then we say, you, you admit that you're a wreck without Jesus. You share your story. You share your testimony. And then you share God's story, the gospel. So pretty simple, you know, to navigate that. And then um, after that, two follow-up questions would be, uh, does that make sense? And do you have any questions? And if they have questions about a talking point about how you shared the gospel, then ask that, answer that best you can. If you don't, say, you know, honestly, I don't know. But I'll do some research and find out if we can continue talking about this, like next week or tomorrow or whatever. I found that unbelievers really do appreciate you being honest with them if you don't know instead of just trying to make something up <laughs> so you know just be honest i don't know man i'll find out you know and then so it's an ongoing conversation right right um it's never ever usually just one conversation it's usually an ongoing one usually well i love what you've given us you've given us a a, a rather simple formula but it it's very powerful prayer yes. and then this idea yeah. of caring and then sharing and being able yes, to communicate yep. some of those things to to our students. So my my question, which would be helpful for me as well as for those listening, is where can we find information? Is there is there a book kind of that that can help us in this process? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's a book called Gospelize that Greg Steer wrote. Uh, it's a great book. It talks about this stuff in detail. Um, and then also uh, there's resources out there from not just their share, but there's a lot of different ministries. Bless Every Home uses Prayer Care Share. Uh, Crew uses Prayer Care Share. Dare Share uses Prayer Care Share. And it's simply a circle. Um, and then, you know, just Pray Care and Share. But then there's also Dare Share is actually called the AAA method with the ask great questions, admire them, and admit. So if you go to dareshare.org, uh, then you can you can find those resources out there yeah and i've got them they're available too um i've got all those resources that um you know you can just email me at either cselb72 at gmail or multiply ministries 2020 at gmail okay well we'll definitely have some of those things in the show notes i know that uh, one of the things that i've loved about dare to share is that they do have some free resources that you can easily get from their website. And so we'll try yeah. to put a link on there. I know at different points, even yeah. in our, in our bio, we have one of those link trees and we've had, I've had a yeah. link to that stuff in there because it's just, it's great stuff and it's yeah. free. <laughs> We're always looking for free, right? <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, listen, Chris, I am so appreciative of you being on our podcast today and talking about this and encouraging us in this area because yeah. so many of us fall short, whether we don't have the gift of evangelism. And so sure. we have a tendency exactly. to pull back from it. And then it's hard yep. to 
invest something in our students that we don't feel confident in. And exactly. so what would you recommend for us that, that maybe feel that way, that we're not confident in our own evangelistic efforts, yep. but we know we have to be ready if our students are going to see that, the example side. Of it. Yeah, man, that's so good. I tell you, that's one of the things we coach on a lot is leaders embrace and model it. And so even for, so my wife's an introvert, so I totally understand. Uh, I didn't until I married her and I really do now. I think, man, that just praying for really asking God to break your heart for people in your circles of influence. Mm. And then that way you're joining him in his mission. And then really learning how to care for your neighbors well, like inviting them over for dinner or having a barbecue for your neighborhood. Because it's harder. I mean, if we're honest, it's harder for us if we're in ministry to even know unbelievers. It is. So I think that's a, yeah, you know, so that's the first step is I've had a lot of, I've been at different pastor conferences and people ask me that question. I'm like, well, you can, if you have, if you live in a neighborhood, you can start prayer walking the streets, asking God to break your heart, have a barbecue with your neighbors. And if you don't have neighbors and like, I've known a lot of people that will join Taekwondo or a gym or something with these eyes of God, where's the harvest feel that? Where's yeah. my harvest feel yeah. that? Where, you know, break my heart for these people. Um, and then just asking for opportunities and really praying and caring. And then honestly, sharing, man, it, I still get scared. Um, I still get butterflies on an airplane or, or with my neighbors or wherever I'm at. But, you know, 2 Corinthians 5, 11 says work hard to persuade others. And I think we just got to practice, honestly, like, like with our wives, with our children, we used to practice as a youth group on how to go just having those gospel conversations, you know, just asking those great, because the hardest part I think is starting that conversation. So by using that AAA method, by asking those great questions, because it's in us. And once we get the conversation started, it just all comes out, yeah, honestly. Yeah. And so I think, honestly, just number one, find lost people to be around, which can be the hardest thing. And then investing in those relationships and then really going through the process of really praying and caring and sharing. Because once you get to know somebody, man, as you know, man, our heart's going to start break for them. And we have all this information inside of us. I think just being intentional with it through the praying and the caring and then practicing that, just starting out with those, asking those great questions, man. And it'll all just come up, I think, honestly. That's good stuff, Chris. Thank you so much. Uh, for sharing. Yeah, man. Thank you, Dan. Um, now, I, I do want, want you to share with our listeners about Multiplying Ministries. Yeah, yeah. I would love to, brother. So, yeah, Multiplying Ministries um, was really birthed out of this, having a passion for students to be equipped to live on mission for Jesus through prayer and, and the word and relational evangelism, discipleship multiplication. And so we coached about 30 youth pastors a year. And man, if you'd be interested in that, you can call me at 479-270-0127, or you can get me with my email, cselby72 at Gmail, or Multiply Ministries 2020 at Gmail for any information. But also, man, I love to equip students too as part of that, whether um, it's to share the gospel, uh, whether it's a day or a weekend, adult volunteers, I love training whole youth groups or a bunch of different pastors on, you know, just the basics of, of how to have a great commission focused ministry with some of the things we've talked about today. Yeah. So if I can serve anybody in any way, man, I would like, and even listen, if you don't want to pay for coaching, you don't want to pay for me to come out and do that, just call me. <laughs> and I would love to talk to you and I can, I can, 
not that I'm smart, but I'm old and I've, I've done it. I've been through it. And I would love to help you with anything possible, man. I, my job is a, like you, Dan, it, I'm a missionary to youth pastors. Yeah. And so if I can serve in any way, man, I would love to. I just love doing it, man. I love healthy leaders lead healthy students. That's right. And I know how hard it is, man. I've done it like you have. And sometimes you just don't know what to do um, because you're in the middle of it. And sometimes it's good to get an outside voice that can look at things going on around and just to be able to give some encouragement and prayer and advice sometimes. So. Well, again, thank you, Chris, so much for sharing today, for being a part of our yeah, podcast. And just uh, we'll be praying for you and your ministry as you do the same sort of work we do, which is invest in those that are seeking to impact the next generation for Jesus Christ. Yes, sir. Well, listeners, you. thank you so much for being on, uh, being here with us and joining us in this conversation. We'll be praying for you as you seek to impact that next generation, but also praying for you as you try to focus in on sharing your faith and helping your students do the same. Again, we do all these things because student ministry matters. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Student Ministry Matters podcast. Get connected at studentministrymatters.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Student Ministry Matters. Until next time, keep up the great work with your students because the work matters.